0: The crown jewels, artefacts adorned with the most infamous jewels known to this land, world and our late Queen Elizabeth. Some of the roots of these jewels can be traced to South Africa with the Great Star of Africa, the Cullinan diamond and India with the Kohinoor diamond. In this series we will be doing some deep diving into the history of the Kohinoor diamond to see how it became possession of the monarch. And listening from both sides of the debate, looking at what stands in the way of it being handed back to its earlier owners, the debates that arise from it and the implications of it. In this series, we, your hosts, Aisha, Devine, Dia and myself, Casey, will venture and explore into Britain's imperial past to learn the gaps in Britain's past and look differently at the future of Britain.
1: Hello, and today we're doing part one of our amazing podcast series, and we're going to be exploring the historical context of the Kohinoor diamond. In this episode, I, your host, Divine, and Aisha, will be exploring the history of the diamond and name mysterious gaps in it. The Kohinoor diamond can be traced to be found in the southern region of India in the 12,000s. The diamond travelled between empires like Afghanistan, living for 50 years before it was taken back to India. Also, the diamond was part of the Pakistani empire before it was taken back to India. Cutting
2: to 1849, the Treaty of Lahore led from the annexation (laughs) of Punjabi by Britain and Queen Victoria, led to the jewel being handed as a gift to the Queen by Emperor Singh to which was worn as a brooch and then used as a jewel for the imperial crown.
1: Quick fact, actually, the diamond was actually extracted through slave labour and the diamond throughout history has been to a lot of places. Like, it's been all over, you know, Asia, to be honest, and it's been surrounded by a lot of violence and conquest. But, and this is why... Um, The diamond was always worn as a brooch because it was guessed that the diamond was cursed because of its its violent past.
2: That is a very interesting fact. Another interesting fact is that the emperor was actually an 11-year-old guy. (sighs) Okay. An (laughs) 11-year-old giving away a Mm prized jewel. Does no one see like, Mm -hmm. really?
1: I think a uh, discussion around ethics, a discussion around consent, and I think a huge empowered balance, which we've always seen with colonized countries. You know, the colonized versus the colonizer, because uh, how can consent really be played around in this when a ten-year-old is giving away something like that?
2: Adventuring into what other outlets note on the diamond history, news outlet NBC interviewed Danielle Kingsley. An assistant professor at Carleton University, focusing on the history of the 19th century Britain Commons. A Scottish statesman, Lord Dalhousie, and a Governor General of India, cohorced Singh into gifting the diamond to Queen Victoria. He wrote in a letter on August 1849 to his friend Sir George. He had visions of it becoming the centrepiece of the British imperial crown and had visions of himself becoming famous for facilitating the crown's appropriation of the stone she said
1: another big sigh <laughs> another big sigh and i think it's actually very interesting to note that even now this diamond is still viewed as a symbol of the empire still viewed as a symbol of conquest and i think there's this is kind of like people think this this whole like empire is a positive thing and look at what we kind of did for these countries when in reality, that is really not the case.
2: And in reality, the diamond should be given back. Mm-hmm. It's not ours to keep. I mean, especially since there are gaps in history that aren't reflected on enough and we don't fully know the full story. Mm-hmm. That's something we need to acknowledge. Next episode, we will be looking at the political social context that fuels both sides of the debate on whether the diamonds should be handed back to India.